Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode number 160, season number two. And today we're going to be talking about Jen Psaki, the Speaker of the House. Or maybe not the Speaker of the House. Very poor liar. Um, not very tactful. Not sure exactly how to describe her. But for the general person, we always know when somebody's giving us a line of shit. And um, unfortunately, in her case, you know, it's just a lot of shit. I mean, we got more asses than toilet seats over there going on. Um, I'm going to play a few... Um, few little um, tidbits of her commenting on certain things, and I just, I just don't get it. I mean, I hear Pasaki, and it reminds me of some type of thick Asian drink that, if I took a sip of it, I probably wouldn't be up for a week. You know, I've always had this thing for, You know, redheads with short hair, but God, why does this remind me of like fucking Annabelle? I don't know. I wouldn't want to be married to her. I, I, I'd have to hide the kitchen knives and shit. Um, but that's just me speaking. You know. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a shock jock. I tell the truth. People hate it. They disdain it. I see my numbers bounce up and down. If I hit a topic, everybody's hooray for it. It's good. If I, if I kick somebody in the uh, lowers when I'm talking, it drops, but, you know, opinion is opinion, and I'm old enough to not only have my own opinion, but I've, I've lived life long enough to have probably opinions of three or four people. With that being the case, and, and you know, I hate these pop-up blockers, they really suck. So let's, let me uh, see if I can find a uh, clip from, from this um, uh, Pasaki, see what she's got to say about things, you know. Um, just got some stuff that comes out of her mouth. It just it just scares the hell out of me. Don't know where she came from, but God, please go back, Jen. Does President Biden regret calling Vladimir Putin a killer? No, the president gave a direct answer to a direct question. Then how is that? How you don't want to escalate tensions? How is that constructive to the relationship when you talk about diplomacy being primary between the U.S. and Russia? How is calling Vladimir Putin a killer? constructive to that relationship. Well, President Biden has known President Putin for a long time. They've both been on the global stage for a long time, worked through many iterations of a relationship between the United States and Russia, uh, and he believes we can continue to do that. criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan, it's the way that he has ordered it to happen. By pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. 
We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right? I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. The White House and National Security Council, the State Department, the Pentagon, all the troops over there, they are working day and night to get Americans out, and we shouldn't pretend that they aren't. But that said, there are questions nearly every day he's out from the press. That is not something we recommend. In fact, a lot of times we say don't take questions. You know, but he's going to do what he wants to do because he's the president of the United States. Yeah. He's never going to satisfy the White House press corps and their desires for access. And I think there have been mistakes made in the past of trying to do that. If you do a press conference, you know, every other week or once yeah. that doesn't satisfy them, they're going to push more. That's their job. What we've tried to do, which has also been maddening, I know, for the press corps at times, is kind of not get pulled in by distraction. That's White House press. Press Secretary Jen Psaki there admitting that the Biden administration doesn't recommend the president takes impromptu questions from reporters. Psaki appeared as a guest on the CNN podcast The Axe Files with the station's senior political commentator David Axelrod, where she claims the president does take questions and that he does like it, but that the team doesn't recommend he takes impromptu questions. The two of them were discussing how Biden's joint weakness and strength is that he says what's on his mind and that the team have to manage that in order for him to be able to interact with the press. The conversation leads to discussing a situation where a CNN reporter catches the president off guard as he is walking through the White House and she asks him about a rescue package to which the president gives the reporter an honest answer of no, a minimum wage increase wouldn't be included in the package. David Upps expectations set outside of uh, unrelated to uh, any vaccine doses or requests for them that they would be partners in dealing with the crisis on the border uh, and there have been uh, requests unrelated that uh, uh, they for doses of these vaccines um, every relationship has multiple layers of conversations that are happening at the same time when you were talking a moment ago about diplomatic negotiations between the United States and Mexico uh, you said crisis on the border is, is was that a uh, challenges on the border okay but so that's not that doesn't reflect any change in nope. administration's view of things nope um, there have been expectations set outside of uh, unrelated to uh, any vaccine doses or requests for them that they uh, let the thousands of uh, fossil fuel industry workers whether it's pipeline workers or construction workers who are either out of work or will soon be out of work because of a Biden EO, uh, when it is and where it is that they can go for their green job. And that is something the administration has promised. Uh, there is now a gap. So I'm just curious when that happens, when those people can count on that. Well, I'd certainly welcome you to present your data of all the thousands and thousands of people who uh, won't be getting a green job. Maybe next time you're here, you can well, no, present that. Like you said that they would be getting green jobs. So I'm just asking when that happens. Uh, Richard Trumpka, who is a friend, longtime friend of mm -hmm. Joe Biden, says about that day one Keystone EO, he says, I wish he, the president, had paired that more carefully with the thing that he did second by saying 
here's where we are creating the jobs. So there's partial evidence from Richard Trunka. Well, you didn't include all of his interview. Okay. I mean, would you like okay. to include the rest? So, so how about this? Uh, the Laborers International Union of North America said the Keystone decision will cost 1,000 existing union jobs and 10,000 projected construction jobs. Well, what Mr. Trumpka also indicated in the same interview was that President Biden has proposed a climate plan with transformative investments in infrastructure and laid out a plan that will not only create millions of good union jobs, but also help tackle the climate crisis. And as the president has indicated when he gave his primetime address uh, to talk about the American Rescue Plan, he talked about his plans to also put forward a jobs plan uh, in the in the weeks or months following and he has every plan to do exactly that i just kind of want to pick up on uh, sure. this questioning over there is uh, the white house or dhs instructing border agents to refuse ride-along requests from reporters because that's what a lot of our folks on the ground are hearing Again, I think we've seen, uh, watching a number of the reports you all do, a number of Border Patrol uh, officials who are quoted in them, who are appear in them, and certainly from the White House, we support that. It's coordinated through the Department of Homeland Security, and I'd point you to them for any additional questions about the logistics of press access. But our reporters I mean, used to be able to get ride-alongs during the Trump administration, mm -hmm. and you all came in and promised to be the most truthful and transparent administration, and, and you all, you know, oversee the Department of Homeland Security. So... If you all wanted to grant access to the press, couldn't you just tell DHS to do it? Again, we fully support transparency, and I would encourage you to talk to the Department of Homeland Security about any requests you have for press access or uh, what you're looking to accom uh, accomplish at the border. Okay. Oh, question. And, you know, one of the biggest criticisms of the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy was that it overwhelmed all these border towns in Mexico and created pretty dangerous living conditions for these migrants. And so now you have the exact same thing happening. Even though you all have reversed, rescinded that policy, these border towns are overwhelmed and the president is saying, do not come. So how is the situation on the ground in Mexico any different? Well, the situation on the ground is certainly challenging, in part because we inherited a dismantled system that wasn't prepared for uh, processing asylum requests um, that had left in place um, uh, the Remain in Mexico program where uh, people were in a camp that was um, did not have the conditions that we felt. Up. Well, I, I think what I'm conveying to you is that we are less than 60 days, about 60 days in. Uh, we are working to uh, re to repair what has been an unprepared and dismantled system. It's going to take some time. Uh, our policy is that we're obviously going to um, continue to um, uh, uh, make sure we're working through our laws um, and the border is not open. But we also, uh, as you know, have um, have changed our policy to approach it in a more humane way, keep kids safe. And uh, that requires uh, putting in place more effective and efficient processing at the border. It's going to take some time. We're working through it. Every day we have uh, new steps and new improvements we're taking to make the system more efficient and effective. Is there a limit or a cap to the number of unaccompanied minors that are going to be allowed into the U.S.? A limit or a cap? Should, so should we send some kids who are 10 back at a certain point? Is that what you're asking me? I'm, I'm not setting the policy here. I'm just asking you what the Biden administration's policy is. Is there a limit to the number of, of children that will be allowed in? I mean, the numbers we're hearing now, 565 on average every day. I, I'm just curious what the 
what the end game is here, how many ultimately would be allowed in? Well, I think where, where we are is we're focused on some of the very specific numbers. So uh, when we came into office, um, there existed about 13,000 permanent beds in HHS or permanent and influx shelter system facilities uh, during the last administration. Thousands of these beds, approximately half were taken offline due to COVID. Staffing was also reduced to put it on par uh, with the new reduced capacity. Uh, this was sufficient for the prior, prior administration. This is how we got here because they were expelling children in addition to families and single adults. We decided, as you all know, that we will be more humane about how we approach this. Uh, there was an operational capacity built. Uh, the prior administration also did not consider that there were other mitigation efforts like masking, improving ventilation, cohorting, and other measures that would contain the spread of COVID. There's now revised CDC guidance, which means there's greater capacity. <laughs> toilet. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I found that quite uh, interesting or scary. I guess you can interchange both of those uh, terms. Um, this is the best we have speaking for the house. Uh, we're pretty much screwed. Um, I think her new wardrobe should include hip boots and a shovel because they should shovel more shit than a, a sanitation department. And constructively, by listening to her answers, they really had no factual ba factual information to put forward except for uh, deflection of the immediate questions that were asked. Uh, they didn't prove any anything, any firm dates, any firm times, any firm policies, positions, um, which unfortunately seems to be the trend of the White House now with, you know, with uh, Biden in there and um, uh, Pelosi and the, the one that disappears all the time or you never see her anymore, the, the one that they put there just to be there, um, and then um, then we have the, you know, the, uh, the speaker here who, for some reason, can't seem to answer any any questions with a, a valid answer with any substantial factual basis to it, um, you know, so I don't know what to tell you folks, but, um, man, we're in some trouble, we really are, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those pe people that always, you know, I always think there's hope, but uh, I don't know about this one. You know, uh, if I, I if I was going to one of those press meetings as a reporter, I think uh, instead of bringing a notepad and a press uh, ID, I would be bringing a, uh, some holy water across and some, uh, wooden stakes and my press my press uh, ID would say Van Helsing on it. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but, uh, you know, we probably could have picked somebody a little more, uh, I don't know, Jesus. somebody to collateral damage a little better. Christ, I could, I could come up with better, better answers for collateral damage than that. Um, I don't know what to tell you folks, but this is uh, Michael C. Bouchard, the host of Night Stalker podcast uh, on Anchor Radio. Season 2, episode 160, you know, we're injecting a lot of, uh, a lot more uh, political views in it right now just because of the uh, 
I don't want to say the state of the nation because that just is like we're turning into third world countries that there's no state there. Uh, just because of all the different um, conflicts we have going on, not only with Russia and Ukraine, but, you know, in our own borders, I mean, we just are, um, we're slacking. You know, and as people, I think what we need to do is really sit down and look at the, the, the people, the traditions and everything of early America, like in the 1940s with the greater generation. We stood together, we fought together, didn't matter what color, what race we were. We, we stood up for our country and we, uh, you know, we didn't let, you know, one-sided media, uh, one-sided politicians um, detour us from being Americans. Unfortunately, now we have uh, we just have we just have a political nightmare going on there. And let me tell you what um, I should have wrote Donald Trump's uh, speeches before he opened his mouth because we. He would have never even lost, not even by a, 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 a distant margin or a close. He would have won. Uh, you know, I, I understand his ideology as far as other countries, as far as economy, and he was doing far better than any president has done a long time. However, he needs to keep his grocery hole closed because... It just comes out. I mean, he's no different than Biden. He says it. He says it in a punk nature. Biden says it as a, uh, you know, an Alzheimer case. You know, and, and neither one is good. I mean, look at, look at what's going on in the last, you know, year and whatever since Biden took over. It's kind of a really scary, um, scary turn of events. And then we have somebody here, who the press are uh, relying on for accurate information. And Christ, she can't. She can't find her own ass with two hands and a road map. I mean, what, what is that? I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you anymore. But uh, until then, until episode 161, which I will go back to murders, I'll explain his appearances, UFO encounters, or anything that's not really normal. Well, nowadays everything is normal, which shouldn't be normal because uh, that's the problem we have nowadays. We accept too much. Anybody can do what they want, say what they want. Yeah, just that. That's it freaks me out. It's no good. It's not never going to work. Uh, more destructive than productive. So um, yeah, you wouldn't mind comments. I, I could never give you my my actual comments on <laughs> things that go on today because quite honestly, you'd all be uh, sitting around with a wet towel with ice on it for your freaking foreheads. But until then, next episode is going to be 161. I am Michael C. Bouchard, the host of Night Stalker Podcast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let me just finish this off by defining some of the terms that I used. Uh, Jen Psaki is actually the White House Press Secretary, which is scary. She was born on December 1st, 1978. She's now 43. In 1978, I was 16. So there is a little bit of an age difference, a little bit of, of a learning curve. And she went, oh, she went to Greenwich High School, which is in Connecticut. You know, that's where um, 
Martha Moxley was killed by one of the Kennedys. According to Wikipedia, oh my God, this effing thing won't oh, shut the hell up! Holy Christ, I hate. I you know I I hate these cell phones because they they, they just babble bullshit. She is also a resident. I don't know if she's a resident now of Stanford, Connecticut, which is right at the end of I-95 in New York. In the state of Connecticut, well, Jesus, we got some stuff going on in Connecticut. Holy crap, I didn't even realize it was hitting that close home. That's why I shouldn't read. That's why I shouldn't research. I should just keep my mouth shut and stay in a paper bag. Until then, my mistake for calling her the uh, Speaker of the House, I didn't realize she was the press secretary because... I never hear from the Speaker of the House and the other Vice President, whoever or wherever she may be hiding. You never see her either. So, you know, what the hell's the difference? I, you know, call whatever the hell you want. Okay, until then, we'll see you episode 161.